Speaking of friends I haven't talked to in a long time, we got John Hoven, the mayor, on the line from L.A. Johnny, how are you? I'm doing outstanding, Boom. It was great to get your text a couple of days ago. Always nice to talk to you in the summer. Yeah, for sure. Now, I think before we get into any moves, we're going to talk philosophy, organizational construction. You know, we were sold a bill of goods on what the kings were going to become, and you and I talked about it a million times. They were stockpiling youth, and they were going to build things slowly, and and that's fine. And you're allowed to do it any way you want, but all of a sudden, you know, maybe some of the kids haven't developed at the rate of speed you were hoping they would, and then Faber gets packaged in a deal that gets shopped out to Minnesota last summer, and then a couple more of your kids get packaged out and sent to Winnipeg to, to acquire Pierre-Luc Dubois. And that's fine as well. Those moves make the Kings better. That's why you do them. And you, you have every right to use capital any way you see fit. But it's almost like the Kings are sort of like a veteran team now. And the build they built was, you know, it's almost like the Rangers a little bit. The Rangers were doing this build, and all of a sudden they were kind of mature. So I'm not saying it took a left turn somewhere, and I'm certainly not saying it hasn't gone well because they're a very good hockey team. But this idea that they're the young and improving kings, and they've still got more guys coming, and we haven't even seen Brant Clark yet, and and more names included. But it, it, they did they reinvent themselves on the fly? What their what their plan was? Yeah, I think it's a valid question, Boom. Because while it might not be a hard left, there certainly was a little bit of a veering to the left, and and each of the situations sort of comes with its own context and its own story. Um, they had a timeline of when they wanted to add certain players into their lineup, both for uh, salary cap reasons, because you're adding players on ELCs, and that's offsetting some of your bigger contracts, but also for positional needs. So they wanted Brock Faber to turn pro. They wanted him to become part of the LA Kings at that particular moment. And when he didn't want to and, and, and wanted to go back to college, which he's entitled to do, and wanted to have another kick at the can with Minnesota, that sort of allowed him to become the piece that was the quote-unquote easiest to move in a deal to acquire Kevin Fiala. The other thing that Rob Blake, I think, has been pretty strategic about doing is using some of these assets to fill voids in the organization that they don't feel they have with some of their other players. So while people can be critical of, well, Alex Turcotte has been injured and he hasn't sort of worked out the way that they expected. True. Gabe Velarde took a little bit longer to mature and develop because of his back injuries than anybody would have hoped for. True. But when you look to some of the additions that they've made, it's because they've been positional needs. The reason they went out and signed Phil Deneau and it kind of caught a lot of people off guard to sign him to a six-year deal, it was insurance against the development of Quentin Byfield. It allowed them time because they watched what happened with Gabe Velarde. There was extra pressure put on Gabe when he was thrust into that 3C and even a 2C role at some point when, when Jeff Carter was traded. They didn't want to do that same thing with Byfield, so they went out and signed Phil Deneau. They didn't have any other depth at the center position after Kopitar. You look at Kevin Fiala. They wanted to add a dynamic, playmaking offensive-minded player. They didn't have a kid that was ready to do that. They still had some questions about Kaliev and, and what his development curve was going to look like uh, and the number of years it would take for him to get there and replace that player. And, and then you look at the move they went out and, and what they did with Pierre-Luc Dubois. It, it, again, it's insurance against the future. And knowing that Kopitar is now signed an extension for two more years, it, it is allowing them to pivot a little bit. So while it might seem like they made a hard left, I would say more or less they, they veered over a lane or two uh, on that you know hockey highway, if you will. With the addition of Dubois, you now consider the LA Kings Cup contenders? 
I wouldn't say cup contenders for one reason. It has to do with goaltending. And, and I know that we've all learned that over the last couple of years, you, you need a goaltender who can stop the puck. You don't have to have Jonathan Quick of 2012 who, you know, is going to put a team on his back and is going to make spectacular saves and shut teams out one nothing or win games 2-1. You don't need that. It's nice to have, but you don't have to have that to be able to win in the National Hockey League right now. However, I don't think that at this moment they have the goaltending that would give me confidence to say Stanley Cup contender. Are they one of the deepest teams on paper in the Western Conference? Absolutely. Do I think they match up better today, pound for pound, against other teams in the Western Conference than they did 60 days ago? Absolutely. It's a pretty interesting thing that Rob Blake is kind of setting up to do here, though. It's one year, and it's kind of what I'm calling a bridge year because they have to get through this year to kind of let the cap settle a little bit, to let some of their kids get mature one more year. They're ahead of the curve, so they're playing with house money. But how far they can go with this team, really it's going to come down to goaltending in my opinion. So you have to get to the trade deadline, and if he likes what he's seeing at that point, there still could be another move. You add a goaltender then, or in a very worst-case situation, you re-evaluate the goaltending in one year from now. But I think if you objectively look at the roster outside of goaltending, you really have to like what they have both up front offensively and then also with the addition of Brant Clark and or Jordan Spence on the blue line. Johnny, you were um, pleased with year one of the Kevin Fiala experience? I think you have to give uh, Rob Blake and Kevin Fiala uh, really high marks for that. You know, uh, we've talked a lot over the last couple summers, boom, uh, that Rob Blake won the summer three years ago, picked up the biggest fish that was out there in Philippe Deneau, and that that signing worked out A plus, right? And then you and then you go back and you look at the other moves that he's made. Uh, the Kevin Fiala one was another one. He went out and picked up the biggest fish that was out there in a deal that relatively didn't cost him very much. It did cost him a first round pick, so you're mortgaging a little bit of the future. And it it did cost him Brock Faber, but Faber wasn't ready at that time. It was again a move towards the future. They were able to add Kevin Fiala to that roster without taking items and pieces off of the current NHL roster. Kevin Fiala was everything that you wanted him to be, and when he was healthy, he was arguably the MVP of the L.A. Kings last year. He showed great versatility. He was able to move up and down the lineup. In fact, you could even argue he was more effective on the third line than he was on the first line, as crazy as that might sound. So I think it's going to be exciting this year to see him playing alongside PLD, and uh, you'll have to see who's going to play over on the right side, whether that ends up being Ardvidsson or uh, uh, Arthur Kaliev's or, or, or you know maybe one of the kids comes in and steals a job in camp. But Kevin Fiala gave them everything they expected to give and more, and it was a wonderful first year, just like it was when Philippe Deneau uh, arrived in Los Angeles. Uh, Blake did some interesting contracts this year as well. One of them I looked at a little sideways is the amount of commitment he made to Mikey Anderson, but I had you on the show, I think, the very next day, and you went out of your way to explain how much you loved the deal, both on and off the ice. So, you think Rob Blake has done a good job of anointing which guys he wants to keep around long-term? Well, you can have me on every day of the week from now through the end of the summer, Boom, and I will gush about Mikey Anderson. I've tried to tell anybody and everybody that will listen since the day that they acquired him in the draft several years ago. He's a future leader. He is already a leader. He's a, he's a young man, mature beyond his years. You talk to any of his coaches, any of his teammates, Drew Doughty, uh, Todd McClellan, all of these guys, guys that have been around the league, seasoned vets, and within a week or two of being around him, they're just blown away. Gavrikov even came on our podcast and was talking about it as well. Mikey Anderson is just one of those guys who other hockey players love being around. He's smart. He's intelligent. He's well-spoken. He's mature. He's a leader. Uh, he's, he's everything you want, and he's rock solid 
uh, defensively. He steps his game up in the playoffs. You know, we've dubbed him sort of playoff Mikey and how you see him elevate his game against the Oilers in the playoffs the last couple of years. Uh, Drew Doughty, when he talks about the, the Kings' defensive core, that's the guy he wants to play with as well. So Mikey Anderson is, is a great safety valve uh, for, for coaches, for teammates. Uh, it, love the deal. Absolutely love the deal. High marks to Rob Blake for getting that deal done. And also high marks to Mikey Anderson as well. He could have played games last summer uh, from a contract perspective, but he knew that he wanted to be a member of the LA Kings. He understood the, the cap situation. He was able to get a, a one-year deal done at the time, just you know, show up in camp and be able to get the season started and then ultimately ended up agreeing to a long-term deal that uh, I, I think we're going to look back on in a couple of years from now, boom, and it's going to be a value deal. It, it's, a, it's a fantastic contract, and it's good to see that Mikey Anderson will potentially be a member of the Los Angeles Kings for a long time because whether there's a letter on his jersey or not, he's one of the true uh, leaders of this team. And when you talk about youth and turning the page, as some of these guys like Kopitar and Dowdy uh, start to leave this team over the next couple of years, you're going to hear the name Mikey Anderson a lot more. Uh, two quickies before I let you go. Uh, on defense, they elected to keep Gavrikov for a couple of years. Sean Walker gets moved out. They have a surplus of D, including on the right side. Uh, we don't know where Brant Clark's going to be to start the season. Uh, with the moves that have been made on the back end, do you have a fairly concrete idea of what you think the back end looks like? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the defense is going to look like Mikey Anderson and Drew Doughty on the first pair. Second pair will most likely start out as Gavrikov uh, with Matt Roy. And the third pair will be Bjornfoot on the left side. And over on the right side will be Brant Clark. So Brant Clark is expected to start the year in the National Hockey League, uh, you know, barring something going wrong in training camp. He'll be there. Jordan Spence will most likely start the year down in the American Hockey League only because the way the cap is and the Kings are so tied up against the cap, they're not going to have room to carry a seventh defenseman. So Jordan Spence is going to be the seventh defenseman, but he's going to be in the American Hockey League. The Kings don't have a back-to-back game on the road until December. So you're going to see a ton of paper transactions, which is uh, a move that the Kings have been using a lot over the last couple of years to, to sort of be cap compliant and save money on the cap. So there'll be more of that. And as the season wears along, I think you'll see Brant Clark and or Jordan Spence get a little bit of an audition up there on the second pairing with Gavrikov. But again, you talked about smart moves by Rob Blake. That move to get Gavrikov, that's exactly what they needed. A big, rugged defenseman, a, a, a defensive defenseman who could anchor that second pairing on the left-hand side solid move to go out and get him at the trade deadline they wanted to get a deal done he did end up signing for a two-year deal i would expect before uh or excuse me as early as next summer i would expect you to see a long-term extension if everything goes the way i expect it this season gavrikov's a big fan of the city of los angeles and uh, acquiring pld will also play well when it comes to the kings and gavrikov entering into a long-term contract so i expect him to be here uh and only continue to fit into the team, you know, much better than he already did in his 20-game regular season addition, uh, audition. Excuse me. And last one, the big trade they made earlier, three-team trade. You mentioned the cap issues. Clearly, you can't be paying $5 million to a goalie who's not even playing on the club. Uh, what was the process by which the Kings decided that Cal Peterson's time in L.A. could not be salvaged? Well, it really, again, it came down to salary cap. And knowing that they wanted to go out and they wanted to pursue – uh, PL, uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, knowing that they wanted to pursue him, they were going to need to free up as much cap money as possible. Uh, I, I will tell you, everybody that I talked to, both on the record and off the record, more importantly, throughout the year, nobody ever lost faith in Cal Peterson. Um, they still believe that he's a goaltender, as do I, that uh, has a future in the National Hockey League. Had a rough year this year, 
it was really an awkward handoff between Jonathan Quick and, and Cal Peterson. And I think if anybody's really being honest, uh, you know, the Kings played a part in the demise of Cal Peterson in Los Angeles and just the way that he was handled. Uh, he was the heir apparent for many, many years. Jonathan Quick just didn't want to give up the crease, uh, you know, which is he's entitled to do, and, is, and it speaks to his competitive spirit. But it made for an awkward handoff, and at times, I, I just don't think that Cal Peterson was in the right headspace. So good on Rob to be able to, Blake, to be able to uh, uh, get a deal done where you're able to give Cal a fresh start, let him go and try to, you know, I, I don't want to use the word resurrect. I'll say continue his NHL career, uh, give him an opportunity to play and uh, be able to get that money off the books. It was a very creative trade in order to free up some money, and, and ultimately they scraped enough pennies to make the deal with PLD work. So we'll see how it all plays out next year. As I said at the top of the interview here, uh, goaltending continues to be the question mark for the L.A. Kings. So I, I hope this deal in, in some form or fashion doesn't come back to bite them. Um, okay, Johnny, thank you for this. Is it hot in SoCal right now? Yeah, I'm actually on my way to Vegas, boom. It's about 115 out, so uh, I'm oh. over the heat. I'm ready for the winter to begin. Pack an extra sweater. That's awesome. Enjoy Vegas. <laughs> I know you always do. Stay out of the clubs, uh, but enjoy yourself. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks, boom. Talk to you soon. Rob Blake is ready for his grade on GM report cards on the power play. Jake, I'm going to go a solid B here. Um, Because to me, I think, you know, you can look at all the moves as a whole, but you ask yourself, what are the big moves? Can you win a Stanley Cup? And I think the Golden Knights reminded us, and they're in the same division as the Kings, that you know, sometimes you got to push some chips into the table. And they went out and got Eichel and they got Petrangelo. You know, they said, we're going to get these guys. We're going to get Mark Stone. And they did it. And sometimes you just got to get better. I know there are people out there that don't love Pierre-Luc Dubois. I think some people are just put off that he's, you know, in six years he's played his way out of two organizations already. Maybe he's just a sourpuss, or maybe he just didn't like Winnipeg and Columbus. I don't know. We'll find out. If he if he begs his way out of L.A., I mean, let's face it, he's officially James Harden at this point. But we'll see about that. But in order to go from good to great, which is the hardest part, sometimes you just got to take your shot. So some people don't love Dubois. The analytics community think he's overrated. But he's still young, and maybe he's finding a place that's making him happy. And I think it's fair to ask in that Pacific division, as good as the Kings are, are they constructed to beat Edmonton and Vegas? They've lost to Edmonton two years in a row in the playoffs. The only solution to that point is you wait for your kids to get better if you think that's happening, but it's happening at kind of a glacial pace right now, or you go out and you get the guy. So 
I talked to Hovind about this at the start. The, they kind of went from a team that was going to build around all these prospects they had to packaging prospects to bring in, you know. So in the last couple of years, we've had Dano. Sorry, I totally Dave mccarthy that Dano. I, I'm not no, from Sherbrooke. It'd be a lot more than that. You Dano. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. Uh, Dano, Fiala, Dubois. So, like, they're going for it with the Kings, and maybe they feel pressure because they're trying to get one or two last runs in the Kopitar Doughty era, um, as as they're still relevant, but I we'll see how Dubois works out. But I think it's going to work out well, and I think you know you paid a price to get him, plus you had to pay him a lot of money, and you're tight against the cap now. But I think if you want to go from good to great, I think this was the move you kind of had to make. And I sneaky think you know I asked. Hovind, are they a cup contender right now? And he suggested maybe not, and they've still got to figure out the goaltending situation. But I, I, th- I think this Kings team might be scary this year. I, I would bet on the Kings to win the cup. I don't know exactly what the odds are as we speak right now, but I feel like by the time we're doing shows during the season, I'll, I'll probably have something in the pendings with the with the Kings just because I, I think there's major potential here. Now, you mentioned... I think the the concern is that division has all of a sudden went from the shrug your shoulders like eh Pacific like mm, a, a year ago I don't think we were really feeling it and Vegas was going through some issues and question marks in Edmonton I think we both agree Edmonton is is right there with McDavid and Drysaddle and some of those elite players Vegas just won the cup and now the Kings have made all these improvements so maybe there maybe the the division isn't deep but it's very top heavy and it would be very difficult to navigate through the playoffs so. I guess that would concern me a little bit for a possible deep playoff run for the Kings, but I think they've built a roster that could go toe-to-toe with those teams. I mean, uh, who's better down the middle of the ice right now? Kopitar, PLD, Philippe Deneau, as you mentioned, like that's that's as good as it gets, one, two, three. And now thinking back to last offseason, I think I said that about the Calgary Flames, and we saw how that worked out with uh, three solid centers down the middle of the ice, but I got a feeling it's going to work out much better for the Kings this year. By the way, the Vegas Golden Knights just put out a tweet, Jake, as we have this conversation. They ask a question, who got themselves a Stanley Cup champion tattoo? I bet you tons of Knights fans. Like, that seems like something a Golden Knight fan would have done. Yeah. I bet you they're going to get a lot of responses. On Let's, yeah, I, I'm excited to see. Would you, would you get it? You wouldn't get a tattoo for the Steelers, would you? Well, if I got a tattoo, it would be the Steelers, but yeah. I have not yet got one, no. You don't um, have any tattoos, right? No tattoos? No. Yeah, same here. Nope. I think there should be a rule. You know how, like, you can't drink till you're, like, 19 or whatever in Canada, 21 in the U.S.? Yeah. There should be a a rule that you shouldn't be able to get your first tattoo after 40. It's like, what are you doing? Are you, you're trying to be cool now? Like, you're trying to keep up with the kids? Stop it. Yeah, you got to get it early. I'm not, I've never been a, I like tattoos. I think they look cool, but it's just never been something I've been interested in, in putting on myself. But other people, I, you know, pull it off. I'll, I'll happily look at your tattoo and, and think it's cool. Like you shouldn't be allowed to go into a department store and buy like ripped jeans. If you're over 35, they should have to ID you. And sorry, you should have to wait out the store. Like we did at the beer store when we were kids and ask someone to go in and buy them for you because it just should be against the law, but I'm not going to win that one. Uh, Kopitar extension, we're good with. Hopefully he's got lots of hockey left in him. Uh, the Fiala deal, packaging a first in Faber, 
I think they felt like defensively they had a surplus and were in position, and I like Fiala, you know that, so I'm good there. The Cal Peterson trade was tricky. I liked Peterson. It got away from him. They were able to absolve themselves of that contract, but they had to take on Provorov money in a three-way trade. So it's not like they got off this one free, but I think they did what they had to do. But where does that leave them in gold, Jake? Yeah. Like, Cam Talbot's like the guy now? This is my biggest concern. I Cam Talbot's 36 years old. Now, that's not yeah. saying he can't go out there and play well next year. He's He's had good seasons very recently into his 30s, but... I don't know, man. Uh, Copley and, and Talbot to try to win a cup? I, it could be a playoff team, sure, and maybe we even win a round, but I I struggle to think that you can win 16 games, but I, I probably would have said that about Vegas's goaltending tandem as well going into last year, and look what they were able to do. So I think they kind of broke the mold. Maybe LA's looking to do something similar here, but yeah, the goaltending combo doesn't inspire a whole lot of confidence in me. As much as I love the Kings, that would be the the area that would concern me going into next year. Um, they went forward to the deadline, brought in some blue jackets. I'm okay with that. They were trying to win. I thought when they did that, though, they were going to try and extend Corpusalo, and he was going to be the future. It didn't end up working that way, but they kept Gavrikov. Um, we like Trevor Moore on this show. They gave yes. him a lot of money, Jake. He hit it. He hit the bank shot. Love Trevor Moore. He helped win me my uh, my fantasy league this year with a huge shorthanded point on uh, on a Sunday night. So I love Trevor. I already liked Trevor Moore before that, but uh, that just pushed it over the edge for me. And fantasy aside, I mean, he's just a, a good player for them in all situations. You could trust him everywhere on the ice. You could trust him with any line combination. So he's a versatile player, and he obviously gets paid for it. I, I think it's, uh, it's well-earned money for Trevor Moore. Um... Mikey Anderson, you heard John Hoven earlier talk about that, how much he loved going long-term with him. I still get weirded out by long-term deals like that uh, with younger players, but they're comfortable doing it. Um, if I have any gripes with the work that they've done, uh, they haven't had a first-rounder in the last couple of years. I tend to not like that. They're already without a second, third, and a fifth coming up in this year's draft, and the season hasn't even started yet. And the big one, as we know, Jake, and we can't really put this on Rob Blake, although he was the architect of it, but some of their prospects that we were supposed to be excited about just aren't developing at the pace we were hoping yeah. they would develop at. And, you know, when you take Byfield second overall, you take Turcotte fifth overall, who we haven't even seen yet. And uh, Byfield's kind of on the Lafreniere plan right now. Uh, just not getting a ton done, although he looked better at the end of the season, yeah. in my opinion. You'd, you'd like to see, again, we were kind of sold a bill of goods. This was all about the kids going forward, and it's kind of a veteran team now. That's what they are. But that's what they felt they needed to do to win and to win now. But you wish you were getting more from the kids to augment what they already had in acquiring the vets. Well, the realities for Byfield are he had three goals in 53 games this year, and he's got Oof. eight goals in almost 100 career games. But what you said there about him playing well at the end of the season is is true. I thought he looked like a, I don't want to say a different player, but he looked like a player that was starting to figure it out, and they were giving him a pretty good line combination up in the lineup, and maybe that was helping, you know, playing with good veteran players. And I actually thought he looked really good in the playoffs. I know it was a small sample size, and, and they were out relatively early, but I thought he looked good against a, a good opponent in tough games. So 
that's got to go a long way for him next year. And he's a guy, like, I need to see him take a big step next year. I don't know what numbers that would be, but just eye test, I need to see him take that step and look like the player I saw in the last half of the season and into the playoffs and do that for a full 82 games next year. I'm, I'm excited to see what Byfield can bring to the table next year. Okay. So I went I went B on um, Blake. Where are you? I'm I'm gonna be even nicer here, Boom. I'm going A for Blake. I yeah. I yeah I really like what they've built in LA, and I there's not a whole lot like again the goaltending. Yeah, maybe I should have gone more to an A minus because I do think you need to do more with the goaltending. But I'm gonna leave that open for them and see you know maybe if they get into a situation where they want to make a move and they're not happy with what uh, Talbot and Copley are giving them. Possibly you make a move. I know those are difficult to do uh, in season, but I would like to see that area improve. But everything else is uh, is positive for me. I think this team is is ready to to really challenge next year in the Western Conference. My problem is is I'm impressionable, and I I, I can be duped. And a lot of smart people say Dubois isn't as good as you think he is. But do you remember yeah. like three years ago, whatever Toronto faced Columbus in the playoffs, and he yeah. was just a, a man beast. He shut and down. And he was only place. about. And he's only about 21 at the time, and he, he just stepped up. And I kind of am picturing that guy stepping up for the Kings come playoffs next year, which they'll desperately need. And they so. and they kind of have one of those guys, too, in Deneau, who we know is yeah. a, a great shutdown center. So you get another one like that. Like if you and get, Kopi. Yeah, and, well, yeah, Kopitar is, is the best of the best when it comes to that. So you got three guys. Like, if you are if you get into that series against Edmonton again, which has just become like a staple every year, you got to shut down two of the best players in the league. I think they've built a team that could certainly do that, and they have the offense. It's not like they're just going to be this boring team that tries to, to throw a blanket over you that hasn't been the Kings the last couple years they've actually been very exciting to watch and they can generate and they can possess the puck so I like it it's a good blend of of responsible defensive players and guys that can push the pace offensively it's going to be a fun team to watch this year okay um all we've got is one GM left and it's Tom Fitzgerald of the New Jersey Devils and I've already told you this one's going to be a love letter uh, there's just so much good stuff in Jersey right now we'll get to that to wrap up gm report cards for thursday two minutes here